Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Genesis. Tonight is study number 15 of Genesis chapter 1, and we'll begin by reading verses 11 through 13. And God said, Let the earth bring forth grass, the herb yielding seed, and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth, and it was so. And the earth brought forth grass, and herb yielding seed after his kind, and the tree yielding fruit, whose seed was in itself after his kind. And God saw that it was good, and the evening and the morning were the third day. Well, uh, we've been discussing these verses in the last study or two. We saw how God identifies his gospel program in the likeness of sending forth rain that produces herbs and green grass and fruit and seed, and that that typifies um, the gospel and God's salvation program as the elect are likened to the precious fruit of the earth and, and so forth. Well, I just want to look at the word seed before we move on. The Hebrew word seed is 2233 in Strong's Concordance, and uh, this word here is used to uh, speak of plants, but it is largely used in the Bible to describe the seed of mankind or, or the seed that points to Christ and to the elect. For instance, in Genesis 3, verse 15, God says, And I will put enmity between thee and the woman. He's speaking to the serpent. And between thy seed and her seed, it shall bruise thy head, and thou shall bruise his heel. And the seed of the woman is a reference to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, God also says in Genesis 16, in verse 10, And the angel of Jehovah said unto her, I will multiply thy seed exceedingly, that it shall not be numbered for multitude. And in Genesis 17, verse 7, And I will establish my covenant between me and thee, and thy seed after thee and their generations, for an everlasting covenant to be a God unto thee, and to thy seed after thee. And I will give unto thee, and to thy seed after thee, the land wherein thou art a stranger, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. And God said unto Abraham, Thou shalt keep my covenant, therefore thou and thy seed after thee, in their generations, this is my covenant, which ye shall keep, between me and you, and thy seed after thee, every man-child among you shall be circumcised. In the New Testament, in the book of Galatians, God makes sure to carefully point out that uh, he was not speaking of seed, plural, but singular. Uh, 
in Galatians chapter 3, verse 16, Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He saith not, and to seeds, as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. So that's one of the important things for us to keep in mind whenever we see this word seed. It could be referring to Jesus himself. But also, God says in verse 29 of Galatians 3, And if ye be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed, and heirs according to the promise. So, the the ones that uh, Christ saves are in Christ, they belong to Christ, and they are also counted for the seed. And, and that's why uh, the seed singular is Jesus, but it also relates to the body of Christ, all the company of the elect, everyone that, that God redeemed and granted his salvation. Let, let's just look at a couple more verses. Uh, Deuteronomy 30. Deuteronomy 30 and verse 6. It says, And Jehovah thy God will circumcise thine heart and the heart of thy seed to love Jehovah thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul that thou mayest live. And this is, of course, not literal. Circumcision of the heart is referring to God's salvation program. All right, let's just look at one more verse in Psalm 25. Psalm 25, verse 13. His soul shall dwell at ease, and his seed shall inherit the earth. The seed who is Christ, the seed who is the elect in Christ, will inherit the earth. And and that's everyone that God has saved and predestinated to become saved from before the foundation of the world. They are the seed, and it's God and, and his word that declares, let the earth bring forth grass, herb yielding seed, and, and so forth, and, and the seed points to the results of his gospel program. Let's uh, move on in our study to verse 14 through 18. And God said, Let there be lights in a firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night. And let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And let them be for lights in a firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. And God set them in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. Well, again, uh, in verse 14, God said, Let there be lights. Now back in verse 3, God said, Let there be light. And there was light. But now... That was back in the first day. Now, on on the fourth day, God is creating the celestial bodies 
that will be the light bearers, and he, uh, from this point, will attach the light that he's already created to the light bearers, the sun, moon, and stars, and from from that point on, that day, the fourth day, till now, the the light is completely identified with the light bearers. Now, the word lights in verse 14 is a different word. It's a related word, but different from that used in Genesis 1, verses 3, 4, and 5. Back in those verses, in the earlier verses, it was Strong's number 216, and the Hebrew word was or. Or, that, that's the word for light. But this word, translated as lights in verse 14, is meor. It um, has some of the same spelling as the first word, but, but it has a M um, in front of it. And this is Strong's number 3974, that um, I would pronounce it meor. It, it's a related word, but a different word. And if you remember, we discussed previously how God first made the light, then three days later the light bearers, and that related to God first making salvation or uh, the Lord Jesus performing the atoning work for the sins of his people at the point of the world's foundation when he died for them and and made payment, satisfying the law of God in full, and then rose from the dead to be declared the Son of God. So there is salvation, and light points to salvation. So there is the light. The light is first. And so God created the world, and he first creates the light to illustrate that fact. Jesus has already died as the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. There is already salvation available, and all it needs be is to be applied to all those that Jesus died for already, again, before the world was created, at the point of the world's foundation. And then later, God creates the sun, moon, and stars, and attaches the light. Historically, it doesn't seem to make sense to create the light first and then the light bearers later, but it's teaching the spiritual truth that first God made salvation through Christ, or Christ wrought salvation in his work of faith, and the works were finished from the foundation of the world. And then later God attaches that salvation to his word, and faith comes by hearing. And then God attaches that salvation to the person of the Lord Jesus as he enters into the world. And and they become the light bearers of the light that has already existed. So it's really a very accurate picture as far as the order of things in the way God's salvation program has been designed. Well, uh, again, here in verse 14, let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night. 
That's exactly what God did with the light uh, that he had um, previously created. Back in verse 4, God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. Well, now he's he's doing the same thing. The same language is being used and applied to the sun, moon, and stars, the, the uh, lights in the firmament, to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years, and let them be for lights in the firmament of the heaven, give light upon the earth, and it was so. In these two verses, God is uh, giving us four purposes for the sun, moon, and stars. Number one, they are for signs. Number two, they are for seasons. Number three, they are for days and years, or time. They're the timekeepers. And number four, they are for lights in the firmament of the heaven. And it is through the sun that the earth receives its light. And it's through the moon and the shining of the stars that a lesser light shines upon the earth in the night. And and so these are the four purposes, main purposes, that God has created the lights and affirmament, the sun, the moon, and the stars. They are to serve these purposes. And we're going to look at purpose number one, signs. The uh, sun, the moon, and the stars are for signs. And when we think of the word signs, uh, we may think of um, what Jesus said in the New Testament, that an evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. And no sign will be given to it but the sign of the prophet Jonah. And as Jonah was three days and three nights in the in the belly of the whale, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The, the Jews who heard Jesus say that an evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign may have been surprised by that remark because when they read the Old Testament, they read of signs. God gave signs. Uh, for instance, and, and by the way, signs is Strong's number 226, 226, and it's sometimes translated as token, as it is in Genesis chapter 9, and I'll read verses 16 and 17, and the bow shall be in the cloud, and I will look upon it, that I may remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is upon the earth. And God said unto Noah, This is the token or the sign of the covenant, which I have established between me and all flesh that is upon the earth. There is a sign that God gave. Also in Genesis chapter 17, we uh, we stopped reading the verse before this, a little earlier, verse 11. And ye shall circumcise the flesh of your foreskin, God said this to Abraham, Abraham, and it shall be a token 
of the covenant betwixt me and you. So the rainbow's a sign and circumcision is a sign. Or when God was telling, commanding Moses to go forth to Pharaoh and the Egyptians, it says in Exodus 4, verse 8, And it shall come to pass, if they will not believe thee, neither hearken to the voice of the first sign, that they will believe the voice of the latter sign. And this relates to Moses' staff turning into a serpent and, and so forth. And they are or were signs. In Exodus 31, it says in verse 13, Speak thou also unto the children of Israel, saying, Verily my Sabbaths ye shall keep. For it is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that ye may know that I am Jehovah that doth sanctify you. The Sabbath, the seventh day, Saturday Sabbath was a sign. And we, we, we could go on. There's numerous, um, times that God gave signs in the Old Testament. And, and, and so, uh, the Jews naturally asked Jesus, um, what sign do you give? And Jesus told them though, and and this would have again certainly caused them to wonder and and to pause an evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign well let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 6 we'll look at a couple of verses in Deuteronomy and this is um the same word sign Deuteronomy 6 beginning in verse 6, And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them, that's referring back to God's words, Thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. God's word that he speaks shall be for a sign. And it also says the same thing in Deuteronomy 11, verse 18. Therefore shall ye lay up these my words in your heart and in your soul, and bind them for a sign upon your hand, that they may be as frontlets between your eyes. Again, God's word, and God's word is the Bible, are for a sign. Now, that's very important to understand, because in the New Testament, we read in a very significant place, a significant chapter, especially for us who are living at the end of the world. In Matthew 24, when Jesus said unto them in verse 2, See not all these things? Verily I say unto you, there shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. 
And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? So the disciples are asking Jesus for a sign. Over in Mark 13, it says um, and tells us who these disciples were in verses 3 and 4. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives over against the temple, Peter and James and John and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign when all these things be fulfilled? Four disciples pointing to the universal interest of, as number four points to to um, the furthest reach, the universal interest of all God's elect regarding the coming of the Lord. What shall be the sign of thy coming and of it's a two-part question. The sign of thy coming and of the end of the world. And Jesus said to them, An evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. No, he did not say that to the disciples. He said that earlier in in back in Matthew 12, in verse 38, And certain of the scribes and the Pharisees answered, saying, Master, we would see a sign from thee. But he answered and said unto them, An evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall no sign be given to it but the sign of the prophet Jonas. Now, we have to read that carefully, because, yes, Jesus said, An evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, but then he he indicates that, that a sign will be given even though an evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign. The sign is limited to the sign of the prophet Jonah. But still, it's a sign. And that fits in with why Jesus is going to go on in Matthew 24 and lay out God's perspective or God's program for the end of the world throughout chapter 24 and into chapter 25, and he is showing them what will be in evidence. And this relates to things like in verse 15 of Matthew 24, When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet stand in the holy place, whoso readeth, let him understand. When you see, not with your physical eyes, but with eyes of understanding, eyes uh, in the mind's eye, that as God opens up the understanding of his people to discern time and judgment and so forth, that's when you'll see the abomination of desolation, Satan, stand in the holy place, the church. And that is within the response of Jesus to the disciples, which will be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world. So that's part of the sign. Actually, it's a big indicator 
concerning the sign of Christ's coming. So is the rest of the, the information here um, concerning false Christ, false apostles. Look at in verse 24 of Matthew 24. For there shall arise false Christ and false prophets and shall show great signs and wonders insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Well, here false Christs and false prophets will show great signs and wonders. And what are the believers to do? They may even be deceived uh, if it were possible, because the signs will be so persuasive. Well, see, we're... We're helped. We're greatly helped because when Jesus said an evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, no sign will be given to it but the sign of the prophet Jonas. In order to understand the sign of the prophet Jonas, what do you have to do? You have to turn to the book of Jonah, which is a part of the Bible, And read what happened to Jonah. That's where we learn he was three days and three nights in the whale's belly. And and that is significant because Deuteronomy 6 and Deuteronomy 11 both said these words. These words are for a sign. These words are referring to the word of God, the Bible. and, And to... Receive the sign of the prophet Jonah. You have to read the word of God, the Bible. That's where the signs are permitted. That's where God gives signs. You may receive a sign from heaven, from God directly, concerning various things, the the sign of circumcision. How do we understand that? We read the Bible. The sign of the Sabbath day. What does that sign point to? How do you understand? You read the Bible. And then we see it has to do with Sabbath rest or resting in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ concerning salvation. So God's signs are geared for the Bible. Not outwardly. They're not signs in the sky or in the heaven above. And and so now that causes us to wonder, well, why did God say the sun, the moon, and the stars, one of the purposes are for signs. They're for signs. You, you look up in the night sky, you see the moon, you see the stars in the day, the sun shines. And can we find signs? Uh, superstitious religions have have long uh, looked at the celestial bodies and and found spiritual meaning in them. There was a time when they were worshipped. But no, no, we'll never learn anything uh, that way. They're not signs in that sense, but they are signs as the sun points to God or the Lord Jesus, the light of the world, who is the Word, The moon points to the word of God as the moon reflects the light of the sun. So the word of God reflects the light 
of God himself. As remember, the, the uh, light came first, and then the light was attached to the word of God, or Christ provided his salvation, and that salvation was attached to the scripture. And the stars, they uh, also shine forth the light of God, and they're related to God's people who carry the message of God. So the sun, the moon, and the stars are the lights of the world. They, they're wrapped up spiritually with the light of the word of God, the Bible. And therefore, God can use them as signs. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.